morning. It is Wednesday. The Crossing Broadcast is back. I am Russell Joy at Joy on Broad, joined as most of the time by Adam Lefko at Adam Lefko on Twitter, awaiting the uh, overlord of CrossingBroad.com himself, Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad, to emerge from a T-shirt empire, a bourbon-induced hangover. We're in the process of getting him back in here. Speaking of process, trust the process and trust the pasta. Carlino's in Westchester and Ardmore, your go-to for all Italian meats and cheeses. All of your artisanal goods, they are now um, nominated for Best of the Main Line for Deli. So make sure you give them some votes. And uh, when you do that, don't forget to drop in, you know, that you heard this on the Crossing broadcast. Um, Carlino's in Ardmore and Westchester are your go-to for all Italian meats and cheeses, artisanal goods, pastas, pizzas, tomato pie, everything. I've been talking about it for I don't know how long now. They're the only reason that I got through college alive. Carlino's is the place to go if you want to save yourself the hassle of making one or two meals a day. Let the fine folks at Carlino's in Ardmore and Westchester do it for you. Uh, They will do a fantastic job, and you can lie to whoever you provide dinner for and say that you yourself made it. Uh, Adam, were you ever a person who... uh, who would get takeout and then repackage it as if you had made it yourself? Of course. I've done that on Valentine's Day before, actually. And that is the exact kind of thing that you can do uh, with Carlinos. So don't forget, go out to Ardmore or to Westchester, one of their two locations, and uh, don't forget to tell them that uh, the Crossing Broadcast sent you. So a big thank you to our fine sponsors at Carlinos. Tell the random cashiers and see if they have any idea what you're talking about. Of course they do. Hey, Melba. Crossing Broadcast on us. You say Melba? I need to get a price check on Crossing Broadcast. <laughs> we, oh, you know what big, we need? Big antenna. You know what we need to talk about? I love talking about things. Uh, the fact that we talked about LeBron maybe coming to the Sixers and then those billboards went up. And yeah. shout out to Power Realty. For paying for three billboards to go up, telling LeBron to come to Philly. And then he comes out yesterday or whatever and says that they were dope and that it was flattering and that he really liked it. He was very positive in his reaction to those billboards. Yeah, it was really interesting. WIP um, retweeted one of the uh, the little interview tidbits. And he. this is the one thing that, that frustrates me. And it's the one thing. Oh, look, I want LeBron. Uh, let's get that out of the way. I think if you are a, a fan of this team and you have the potential to add the greatest player of his generation and possibly the greatest player of all time to a star-studded young roster that features Ben Simmons, eventually Markel Fultz, and Joel Embiid, if you have the option to do it, you have the possibility to do it, and you refuse to do so because you're afraid of the baggage that comes off the court, you, my friend, are misguided at best. Uh the the potential of what the process is on its own is a potential uh, title contender with the right moves. As it stands right now, I this feel like roster, you used to say you didn't want LeBron. I there was a long time that I didn't want him, but I've come and around. Now on you've it. just switched. Yeah, I'm, but it, it's you know it's like you say we got sliding scale, and I think it's also fair to say that in sports you're allowed to change your mind. I don't want to actively think about LeBron being on this team because it'll be woefully disappointing if he doesn't come. But I think the conversation just started, and now you're getting a little LeBron itch. 
Well, I, I am a little bit excited by the prospect. It's kind of hard not to be. I'm actually a little bit more more excited about the possibility of him bringing uh, Paul George with him because I think long term Paul George is a you know a, a crucial piece that if LeBron continues to sign his one and one deals, his one year deal with the player option for the second year, I I would assume Paul George is going to sign a longer term deal. And in the grand scheme of things, he with Fultz and Simmons and Embiid is a heck of a core going forward. I don't know if they can afford all those people. They can. But um, I think that's the funny. It's like I, when we would talk about LeBron, would be like, guys, I don't even want to talk about this. This isn't realistic. And I'm still not going to get my hopes up. I'll still publicly say that I want LeBron, but I'm not. It's kind of like being in high school and the prettiest girl in school. Uh, you're like, hey, I hear that uh, that note you dropped in the hallway that had my name on it. Like I, that was pretty flattering. It doesn't mean anything, but I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much. Jim Gardner doesn't like the idea. No? Legend, legendary Philadelphia newscaster Jim Gardner says he thinks it would mess up the flow. And that was the first time that I've seen a really old person. I don't mean to say it like that. A legend like Jim Gardner uh, get tweets that were like, stick to news, Jim. And I was like, damn. It's a uh, dude just trying to give his opinion. But uh, no, I want LeBron too. I don't know if they, you think they, they can afford but two guys like that. Yeah, they can. For sure. Damn. Damn. Yeah, like the, the interesting thing about the Sixers, like if you look look at their, their long-term outlook for the team, um, per Spotrack, which is like my favorite website in the I've history of I've always science. called it Spotrack. I'm going to call it Spotrack. You can call it Spotrack. You can call it whatever you want. Okay. Uh, as of right now, going into, uh, it looks like this year, the Sixers have $100 million in cap. Uh, next year, oh, I'm sorry, wait, whatever. I'm looking at this very strangely. I don't think this actually adds up. Oh, yeah, it yeah, does. JJ, yeah, because JJ's $23 million and Covington's $16 million. So they have $100 million committed this year, and then it goes up to 124 next year, I guess, if all options are picked up. And then in 2019, 20, uh, yeah, 2019, 2020, it drops down to $87 million. The cap, I think, sits somewhere around uh, one, I want to say 130-ish. I'll pull that number. Um, but they do have enough space. And they the nice thing for them is they have enough guys that are on club options next year that if they really wanted to decline the option and rework deals, they could. The only guy right now who seems to have kind of hindered them for next year, and it was somebody who I was actually in favor of them signing long-term, was Robert Covington, who's shooting, I think, about 38% from three uh, this year, which is pretty much in line with what his career three-point shooting percentage is. But, you know, when you signed him early in the year, he was hitting an ungodly, like, 46% from deep. Uh, Everybody knew that was not sustainable. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, if you're trying to look at... No, they didn't. That's a lie. What? Dude, when that shit was going on, everyone was like, this could be the new normal for Robert Covington. Not at 46%. Yo, that's what... I mean, I was excited. I thought... Just like you used to not want LeBron to not mess with the process, people were talking about Robert Covington like, I think this could stick around. Why couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that because of spacing and because he had another legitimate shooter in J.J. Redick and the fact that, like, right. he was going to have Ben be able to collapse the defense. Like, yeah, it. I think, like, I was definitely on the in the camp of, like, I think he would shoot the highest three-point percentage of his career. And he'd started so hot, and historically, he was like Ryan Howard, where, like, 
it took him a while to get used to the season. It would usually right. take him a month or two to warm up. And then by the time you hit like mid season, that's usually when he came out of his slumber. So like because it was the first time he'd ever actually busted out like that early in the year, it stood to reason that like it might be his breakout year, uh, a la Zach Ertz. But like uh I th- I think like uh, a lot of things have happened. There have been stretches where JJ Reddick's gone out. I still think that to some extent teams are able to sag off of Ben because they know he's still not going to pull up and, sure. and you know, you know, top, pop the top off the defense with a even a free throw area jumper. So and also with shooting of, sometimes you can just say he's not hitting his shots right now. You know, it's not always schematic like he didn't have enough space. Sometimes you just don't hit your shots. It's true. You got to shoot your shots. Um, that actually does bring us to an interesting point. So last night, uh, the Sixers played Miami. And, you know, the last time they played, Dwayne Wade got a clean look at a shot to beat the buzzer. And I, I swore it was going in. And the Sixers escaped from that game. I think they had blown a, a late lead. And uh, Wade misses the shot. Sixers, they Sixers, blew a late lead. Yeah. Sixers uh, escape with a win. So last night, a few things happened that, that were just really out of the norm. One of the referees ends up out of the game. They go down to two refs. Dwayne Wade, uh, I believe, gets the uh, foul call on a three. And then eventually, in, in what Dragic after the game said was a miscommunication, an intentional foul is levied against uh, Ben Simmons with, like, I think it was 15 seconds left in the game. And Ben goes up, and I think it was against Chicago. He went up cold-blooded in Chicago, yeah, hit, bo- hit both free throws. Last night he goes one for two. And so you think, like, hopefully this is going to be the thing that's, like, not going to break his confidence. Um, he, he hits one for two, and then they go back down the floor, and they give up a look right over Ben Simmons, as a matter of fact, with about five seconds left. It goes to Dwayne Wade. Wade, you know, hits what is the classic Dwayne Wade, you know, just inside the three-point arc, uh, you know, top of the top of the key three, or uh, top of the key jumper. And, you know, it looked like Dwayne Wade of old. He, uh, you know, got... He was just over the top in uh, in his excitement. I mean, good for him. Uh, the Sixers go back on their last possession, and like this is where I think people got a little bit too heated. And I like I get that you know the team should have beaten Miami. Miami is an inferior team. I think it's it's pretty fair to say in in like the macro sense, looking at their roster, looking at where they're at now, and looking at like cap space and assets going forward. Miami's not a threat to the Sixers in the East uh, for like the next few years. But the Sixers should beat them. You get to the last possession. Ben Simmons drives in. And there were people that wanted him to go up and try to draw a foul, which is asinine. I'll get back to that in a second. But Ben goes up, kicks out to Dario in the corner, who's actually pretty open for a corner three. He swings it out to the top of the arc. J.J. Redick, wide open three. Nobody's within eight feet of him. Uh, Clanks it off the back rim. The problem is... They initiated the offense a little bit too late. They initiated that initial swing to Dario and then back out too late. And as it hit the back of the iron, the uh, the buzzer went. Embiid skies up over Whiteside, who presumably had stopped caring because he heard the uh, the buzzer, and Embiid tips it in. Now, this isn't something where like I would have expected uh, Embiid to be able to go up over Whiteside like that if Whiteside had actually attempted to box him out. But you know, it stands to reason that. You know, either Ben has to uh, get that that look out faster. Dario has to pull the trigger sooner. I, I don't know how you work those things in the end of games. Yeah, but how much time do they really have after Dwayne did that with five seconds left? It was just under six seconds. 
Ben Ben took some time sizing up his matchup before he drove in, and like you could, I think you could have made the case that Dario should have pulled should have pulled the trigger on the corner three. Yeah, but let, like I like to look at it like this: if I were to tell you that to end the game, the the Sixers had a wide open look for JJ Redick, you'd take it. Yeah. You would take a wide-open J.J. Redick over an open Dario Sarge. Like, I would take a wide-open J.J. Redick over Ben Simmons at the free-throw line. Yeah. I mean, they're probably similar averages. Yeah, I don't disagree. The only issue that I, I could see is, and I think it, it did come down to the clock being, you know, being what it was, but J.J. kept taking a couple steps in uh, on that final shot. Like, you don't need a three in that situation. Right. So it is interesting that, like, I get the spacing and I get – Ben collapsing the defense and you wanting to have kickout options, but a three wasn't necessary in that situation. Get to get to the perfect spot on the floor. That said, like you mentioned, like JJ is a high percentage three point shooter, and yeah. interestingly enough, uh, you know he he actually admitted after the game. Jessica Camarado had tweeted out that uh, he said he wishes he had set his feet differently in that situation, which I got a kick out of. Yeah, I guess my thing is always is when something in sports doesn't work. We try and figure out what should have been different or who to blame. Uh, but in the same situation, if that shot were to fall, we would have celebrated it. And that's just what happens at sports fans. So I think we we overreact to when things don't work when it's one play, you know, because the true thing is, is there's probably like a million plays in the third and fourth quarter that that they could have done to not have been in that situation at all. But we always get hyper-focused on the last play. Uh, when all advanced analytics would say that that's not the defining play. But my thing is always, what do you hope is the play going in, and what is the opportunity? And uh, it's a lot like football when you have quarterbacks that, you know, they have receivers open, but they miss the throw, and then we get upset at the offensive line protection or the coaching, the play call, you know. It's, if it worked, you would have celebrated, and then because it didn't, he's the the worst. So... The fact that you have J.J. Redick open, that's a good look. You know, it's for me, last possessions are, are you getting an open look anywhere? And if you're able to dial it up, awesome. If it's if it's a contest, like it's like celebrating a coach for when a player hits a contested shot. It's like the play didn't work. This play worked. He just didn't hit it. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that kind of comes back to, you know, when, when people are debating whether or not they want to you know, pursue LeBron James, pursue Kawhi Leonard in a trade who's now returning to camp uh, with the Spurs or, you know, pursuing a guy like Paul George in the offseason or even Klay Thompson in 2019. You know, I get wanting this thing to happen organically, but as currently constructed, you have a point guard who's fantastic, who's transcendent as a rookie who does not want to take that last shot. And it's okay. Like, I don't think he lacks a killer's mentality. So, like, let's get that out of the way. But I think he's he's always been bred to be a guy who, uh, you know, he's a he's a pacifist in, in a sense at the end of games or even like throughout the game. You know, I think the only time that Ben really gets himself actively involved in scoring, and I think he's even admitted this in public, is once he's really pissed. And that's fine. Um, and if your teammates are hitting shots like that's great. The guy who I think like is the least afraid to take a shot in most situations is Dario. Dario's got, you know an all-time high confidence. I think he's shooting his highest three-point percentage um, over a, a you know an extended stretch of period uh, of time here in his career. And Dario's essentially kind of becoming that 
that guy who can kind of camp out along the three-point arc and be a reliable option. He's, if nothing else, he's been picking up the slack in the, in Covington's absence. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think this is, again, like this is another time that not having faults hurts because this is a, a spot where like faults as a shot creator maybe has the ball at the end of the game. And I know it's a, a lot to ask of a rookie, but like Donovan Mitchell gets the ball at the end of games. Like Jason Tatum has at, at you know gotten the ball at crucial points in Celtics games, although you've got probably the best clutch player in the game right now, Kyrie Irving, to be able to set him up. The fact still stands that without faults, uh, this team is still missing that guy who can create his own shot. Ben can get anywhere he wants on the court. Joel can hit practically from everywhere. But the only guy that this team really has you know, on their roster who has been known to be able to create create their shot from anywhere out of nothing is Fultz. Um, which kind of brings us to what I would consider a a massive moment of uh, of importance in this season. And and it's it's stupid, but it it does matter. Uh if Fultz is gonna be shut down, then they need to do it ASAP. Because I mean I, I brought this up the other day and I wrote the post about it. You right now don't have roster flexibility. Uh, you are not eligible to get the uh, like the injured. I think it's the injured player uh, exception that you get when you have four guys out. Right now, the Sixers are, are missing Korkmaz, and they they have a few other guys out. If Fultz were to be shut down for the season, that that frees you a spot without having to cut anybody. And we, I still think it's weird. Like everybody thinks that Trevor Booker is going to be the guy to get cut, but I think if they were going to cut Trevor Booker, they would have done it by now. Uh, and I brought up potential options of getting rid of, and I wouldn't like it, but like getting rid of Rashawn Holmes, who's fallen out of favor, getting rid of Amir Johnson, who's here on a one-year deal at a, See, at a high salary. See, that's the guy. Um, and like potentially you could take a guy like Jared Bayless, who still has time left on his deal and use the stretch provision. That's and another spread. guy. <laughs> and, yeah, I know. Like, and, and the thing about Bayless is Bayless by using Are you the trying stretch. To, is there someone in particular you want to add? Well, I'm saying they're they're getting Ilyasova, right? Like that that was right. what Shams reported. But they can't add Ilyasova without cutting somebody. And if if you know that Fultz isn't going to play in the playoffs, then you need to shut him down for the season to get that injured player exception, because that allows you to sign Urson without having to cut someone else. Which then allows you that if somebody else were to hit waivers later in the season, which I don't know if they will, like the, the deadline's passed, I don't really know who else is going to get cut. But if at the last minute you needed to add a guy to your roster you would actually have the flexibility to add someone. Yeah, the only thing I'm going to argue to you is this, is if they believe in this wild mental state of Markel Fultz, that him still being eligible to play this season is helping and motivating him, is something that they're actively talking about, it's a goal that they're setting. If that's being discussed, then you can't put him on. If it's not being discussed, I'm just concerned. You talked about Ben Simmons' confidence. I think Mark Ells is a lot more fragile. If you would, if you take away a carrot, uh, how does that impact him? Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, look, didn't they already? They already kind of said Colangelo did that he's likely not going to play again this season. It makes a lot of sense. I'm just saying if there if there's some inside stuff right now where they're talking to him about possibly coming back, I'd hate to ruin that, but I agree that makes the most sense. I said 2 months ago I wanted him to sit out the whole season. I'm just used to it as a Sixers fan by now. Yeah. 
I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I really would like to see the kid come back. I'd like to see him get an opportunity. I know that's when you're really disappointed, you say, I don't know, man. Yeah, I guess I do. Like when it, the, it, in the, it when is the, sad. Like, when, in the Eagles, you'd be like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I said that. I, I think that I don't know, man, was uh, when Jordan Matthews got traded. It's like, I don't know, man. Like, are we going to really rely, rely on Nelson Aguilar to make yeah. big plays? Yeah. Man, remember when Jordan Matthews was our number one? Jesus. Um, speaking of the Eagles, we should celebrate Donnie Longball, or as you say you found online, Bag of Bones, Donnie Jones, mm-hmm. uh, for riding off into the sunset. He joins the list of John Elway and Jerome Bettis and many more. Who Sean Landetta. And their, what? <laughs> I was going to say guys a, that ended their, ended their career with a Super Bowl. Not punting. He rides off into the sunset. Yeah, Peyton Manning. Uh, and luckily, he was able to punt one time in that game. It was a very run-of-the-mill 40-something yard punt. But I would say for uh, in between all the really good Eagles seasons, so the one Chip Kelly here, uh, that one run by uh, Andy Reid before it all fell apart, Amidst all the trash years, it was fun to say, but it was also accurate that you could argue that Donnie Jones was the best player on the team and that he had a really good run for the Eagles where our special teams were the only things that even kept us relevant at times. And Donnie was the guy. As all the kickers changed and the quarterback shuffled, our punter was the same. Uh, shout out to Donnie Jones. Thank you for your service. You are the man. Super Bowl champion. Long ball, bag of bones, Donnie Jones. That was beautiful. Um, so it was marginal. You know, I said well, thank you for your service, like he was in the army yeah. or the military. <laughs> but but no, you, really, thank like you for thank, kicking. thank you, thank you, Donnie. Like really, uh, I saw this on Twitter yesterday, and I really want people to call up and and kind of troll the sports stations with this. Somebody had said, uh, "Do you think the reason that Donnie Jones retired is because he got so bored because Doug Peterson always went for it on fourth down?" Six one zero six three two zero nine seven five. I'd really like to have people call in, try to you know. Uh, to steer the conversation off of whatever is being discussed this morning to talk about Donnie Jones's retirement. See, I like, I would like, so I've been listening to a lot of Levitard. I just think the show is amazing. And uh, I love how they can take like typical sports conversations and like make fun of them. The problem is, is that like if we had a lot of callers that were calling out radio stations and like joking about stuff, I think the radio stations wouldn't realize it, and they would be like, "Oh my gosh, like this Donnie Jones thing is a real hot button issue. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta really spend a lot of time on this," which would be amazing. Like I, you're right. I do think that we could get like a Philly phone call takeover where if we were to, I don't know if Donnie's the right topic, but if you find the right topic i bet you could switch an entire station's day of topics you would need you would need a good amount of calls like i would say like 20 to 30 uh like very consecutive like if it just flooded the phone lines they'd be like what the hell but it would have to be like a morning show but the problem is is that it's so hard to get on oh man that would be amazing i don't really know how hard it is to get on you don't think so? No, because when I was in college, when I was in when I was a child. Now, when I was in college, I would call uh, 
I would call certain shows. And uh, uh, I'm looking to see right now what 97.5 Morning is talking about. I can't find it right now. Um, that actually does bring up, there's a guy, I, I retweeted him uh, on Twitter. Was he, like, he had the best pictures I've ever seen. So somebody complained about um, Anthony Gargano's morning show. And they were like, enough with the cuz shtick. Like, enough. Uh, it's, it's, it's past whatever it was supposed to be. Like, enough. And then somebody's like, oh, you're not a four for four guy, Bo. And this guy tweeted out three pictures of Anthony Gargano as a child wearing Oakland Raiders stuff and said somebody wasn't always a four for four guy, Bo. I mean, it's fantastic. If you haven't seen them, go on to my, uh, go on to my Twitter page. at Joy Russ, on Have you owned and, a jersey uh, of any other team than a Philadelphia team? Uh, Be honest. I had a Terrell Davis jersey I'm, when I I'm was thinking. in junior high. I'm thinking. I don't have any other hockey. Jersey. I don't have any Phillies. I don't have any other. No, I didn't basketball. say if you have. I meant, did you have? No, I'm. I'm thinking about it. The only thing that I ever bought. You know. No, I'm telling you. The only thing that I can remember having bought was there was a Randy Moss Oakland Raiders jersey that was like a kid's large that I bought in college as like a joke. Um, that's it. I I think I liked the Dolphins as a little kid because I just thought Dolphins were like interesting animals. And so I had a dolphin's pennant. Well, also, you know, when you grow up in the coal mines, the last thing you're going to see is ocean. That's true. So that was, you know, you were just training to be a merman. Merman, dad. Yeah. Um, we've got to probably wrap shortly here. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll save the commissioner debate for Friday. No, let's do it now. All right. Unless you had something else. Well, we can start it and then we'll, well, get, I do we'll have, get people I, to comment on it on online. And then we can uh, collect them for Friday. I think that'll stoke the fire. I think we'll really go into the debate on Friday. Okay. So Adam on his other podcast brought up that he thinks that Adam Silver is the best commissioner in all of sports. I don't necessarily agree with him. I think the way that you presented it was as if Adam Silver was without sin. And maybe I'm wrong. But the way that I thought it was presented and the reason that I texted you saying that I, I vehemently disagree with you is because Silver has had some controversies in his short tenure as NBA commissioner. Now, granted, if you break down each one of these commissioners, and I'll even include MLS into this, uh, they all have their, their, black, their black marks. Yeah, it's an impossible job to do perfectly. So I want to I wanna debate this on Friday. So if you are listening to this, I want you... Well, hold on. What? So what are the big sins? I don't, I don't, I'm not doing this right now. That's no, that, this is This is the tease. I'm ready. This is, <laughs> this is the tease. I mean, Donald Sterling is like, Donald Sterling's like one of the things that comes to the forefront. All right, I, you I'm get not, your argument together. I don't think it's close. I think, I think the NHL, NFL, MLB, they're, like they, the, all of their issues are so egregious and so front-facing and so obvious. And I think that you need to dig for Adam Silver's issues. And mine is more about their overall ideas, their openness to ideas, their relationship with the owners, all of that stuff. So I'm just going to lay out a little bit of my argument. And then Friday, you come back explaining to me how Bettman is a better commissioner than Silver. I'm excited. Yep. I'm excited. I think that'll be a, that'll be a, a lively debate on Friday. So we've got that. Um, really quick, any thoughts on Chris Long 
and uh, Connor Barwin going up, uh, scaling Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, it's just so I went out to dinner last night uh, with like my favorite author ever. His name is Ryan Holiday, and I I say that if you've never heard of the book Obstacle Is the Way, I highly recommend it. He's like this genius 30 year old that's already has like five or six books and he's he just released one about like the whole peter teal gawker situation and i'm sitting at a table with this other author that wrote another best-selling book in this just all these really smart people i felt really dumb as shit okay and when i see people like chris long and connor barwin climb kilimanjaro in their off time i'm just reminded at how ridiculous life is and how you can think that you're doing a lot of cool shit and you're talking about sports on a podcast in the morning three days a week and how that's cool and then you see these super like worldly people and they just accomplish all these things and you just go all right i'm gonna go get some doritos and it's just there's i don't know just for me like i'm super happy for them i would never climb a mountain that just seems like a, a lot of a lot of stuff going on, but it also just reminds me, Russ, of of how little that I'm doing. That was just my feeling towards it. Good inferiority complex to have, right? Yeah, I really it really set in. You don't get that at all. You'll ever see that, and you're like, oh shit, that's uh, you did that in your free time, huh? Just said, oh, I'm just gonna climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Okay, I've cool. reached that point in life now where, like, I when I'm watching international soccer games, and even when I'm watching like domestic stuff and the big the big four sports when i start seeing that guys like are in their early early 20s i start thinking about where where my life went awry oh athletes yeah athletes no athletes see is, i don't get upset about like, that because a little bit with I, athletes. but i couldn't blame my parents for that i didn't get good enough genes you know what i mean yeah i didn't either thanks mom but. and dad love you though <laughs> so uh friday we will be back uh we'll We'll kind of hit this commissioner debate and any other key uh, key things in Philadelphia sports. Scott Kingery two days ago had uh, or two games ago had three hits for the Phillies. He's an interesting guy that I I think I want to get into as as spring training progresses. How far are we away from pitchers and catchers? No, we're we're already there, man. It's spring training. That was a joke. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll get back to iTunes reviews. There is an iTunes review that I don't know if I'm going to read. And I told Kyle about it last night when we were doing shirts. It is the longest iTunes review of all time. And it absolutely attempts to eviscerate you and Kyle. While also giving me a pat on the back. So I feel kind of guilty about it. Well, I I don't know. I'm not the one who wrote it. I'm pretty reliable. Yeah. All right. (laughs) All right. So uh, thanks again for listening to the Crossing Broadcast. Uh, Kyle, luckily, thankfully, is almost out of the shirt emporium was there last night and if you have an order that's still pending it'll likely go out today uh there are not many orders left thankfully uh yeah so that that's good we'll we'll be back to normal and it'll be you nice. know what dude let's really before we wrap up we talk about the sixers and and how it was disappointing we're debating about who should have taken the last shot in that game last night one of the victims in that florida shooting was buried in Wade's jersey. Yeah. Wade then dedicated the season to that guy and before the game last night wrote his name on his shoes, Joaquin Oliver, and then hit the game winner. We had no chance. 
You know, sometimes the universe just does things, you know? And it's so funny. That's the funny thing about sports is Philadelphia were going, who should have taken that shot? The rest of the country is going, what an incredible story, you know? So I'm not going to, I'm not blaming anybody. That was the spirit of Joaquin Oliver. And that was the Miami Heat feeling the flow. And uh, we didn't have a chance. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Yeah. I guess that actually does uh, take a little bit of the sting out of this one. Doesn't it? Yeah. Good for Wade. I actually yeah, like exactly. I, I like Wade, and I think that was a really nice thing to do. I agree. All right. And on that note, uh, this has been The Crossing Broadcast, brought to you by Carlino's Markets in Ardmore and Westchester. We will talk to you again on Friday. <laughs>